Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, I'm a programmer at TIFFNOW, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Charles Olivier Michaud, a writer, director, and producer whose films include Snow and Ashes, On the Beat, about dancers, not cops, Four Minute Mile, and Anna. His latest is Rue, an adaptation of Kim Tui's award-winning novel about a young Vietnamese girl adjusting to a new life in Quebec. We premiered it at TIFF last September, and it's opening theatrically across Canada this Friday, January 26th. It's very good, and you should see it. Charles picked Victoria, Sebastian Schipper's 2015 thriller starring Laia Costa as a Spanish woman whose chance meeting with some guys at a Berlin club catapults her into a frenzied night for which she is not at all prepared, though it turns out she's surprisingly capable of rolling with each new crazy development. And it's all played out in real time, in one continuous take, the better to trap us with Victoria from one moment to the next, and watch her take on whatever happens. It's a pretty cool stunt. But it's more than that. This is someone else's movie. When I saw this film, I had no idea that it existed. I had no, I had not seen a trailer. I, I, maybe I knew the director from, like I knew the name, but I, it's, it's, it's very, very rare for me and for anyone in the movie business or me, I'm a, I love, I'm a big film lover and, and a film obsessed person. I watch a lot of movies now that I have two kids uh, that are four and two, I don't watch as many movies, but before like people were really impressed that I, 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 I watch like five or 600 movies a year. And for you, it's a normal thing <laughs> for me. It's a normal, it was a normal thing for a lot of people. It was not. And many years ago I had the, I had a social media, like I had Facebook and all that. I, I got, I, I don't, I don't anymore uh, since, since my, my first child was born, but I used to have a kind of a, like, like a film blog or like a film, uh, like reviews, like quirky reviews that I would do. Anyway, sure. it was very, it was very, it was very rare. It is still very rare for me to not know about a film that is coming out in theaters and, or is it, or is it, or a film that like a buzzy film or like, so very rarely do I see a film that I'm not seen and, or, or heard about. And this film, I went to see it, to watch it in, um, in the cinema. I mean, I was supposed to go see another movie and the other movie was, was canceled, which is never happens. And, and I was like, I'm here, whatever. And I looked at the title, I'm like, oh, German film. Eh, okay. I bought it. I bought the ticket and I went in. And I was blown away by this film. I mean, I have taken, I have, after, after I, I sat, after the film, after Victoria, I sat, I, I, I remained in the theater and I watched it the second time. Oh, I did wow. not pay for it. I'm sorry. I didn't pay for the second time. But just, after the credits, I said, I have to, I'm like, I have to watch this again. Like I have to know, I have to understand how they did this. And I'm I have to look for I have to look for the tricks. I have to look for the for how how they how they did this. And then I remember after that, the next day, I brought my friend Jeff, who's the, the cinematographer on the rue. I brought him to see this film. I brought the composer. I brought like I brought, I don't over two, three weeks, I brought like six or five, six or seven friends. To see the film, because I was, I was like, you have to see this. You have to see this. And people were saying that it was sticky. It was, it was kind of a, a, like a, a, a one trick film because it one, it was, it was one shot. When because these people were had read about it or something, and when, but when most of them when they see it, it was like, oh my god. And very rarely does it happen that movies blow blow me away. Like now, maybe once, once a year. Maybe now it's like once every two years that I get. I get really because I watch so many movies and I now movies unfortunately are on Netflix and Amazon and blah and movie and all this, you know, I still go to the theater, but a lot of movies that should be in theaters are not in theaters. They just end up on platforms and watching on the platforms. You know, I, I, I just an example. I remember that I watched train spotting on a Tuesday night when I was 14 years old in the basement of my best friend in high school and I remember both of us. I remember the flavor of the popcorn. It very, it very rarely happens today that I can remember those details because the movies would would just like hit me so hard. And Victoria is one of these films that just just blew me away. Yeah, 
Oh, that's great. I, I saw it at a press screening for the festival that yep. year. Uh, I don't think I knew it was a single take film. And when you get that statement of purpose, when the, once you realize what's going on and that the camera isn't cutting away and that we're just yep. moving through space with these people, yeah. it, it does, I don't know if I'd call it a magic trick exactly, but it is that thing where you think, oh, really, you're going to pull this, you're going to do this. Yeah. And, you know, I saw Rope when the theatrical re-release happened in the 80s, and I'm, I'm familiar with the tricks, so I'm yeah. looking for that. And then gradually it becomes clear that it's not faking the cuts, yeah. right? The, like, this is a single unbroken digital yeah. take. And then it becomes really fascinating. To me, it's this interesting experiment in what... Um, what cinema can do without cutting in a thriller mode where you sort of need cuts to propel the story. I mean, there's a 97 minute version of this that, you know, moves faster, goes from place to place more quickly, but it doesn't give you the textures of. You you mean that they they made a a 90 minute move, a 90 minute cut of this film of Victoria? Oh, no, no, no. There are dozens of them, not, not of Victoria specifically, but there are millions of movies like this, right. That, that do the same thing. Uh, yeah. In a conventional fashion, and by giving you this space, it would not be it would not be an interesting film, honestly. If it was a ninety minute normal, it would yes, it would be an interesting film because the 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 to me that was that was one of the great great you know pull of the, the great draw of the film is the is 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 the arc of the character of that of that young girl from Spain who's a piano prodigy and now she wants to she wants to have friends that's the premise of the film she wants to have friends and and you see her in the bar and she goes to see you know she goes to see the barman she tries to talk to talk to him and the guy goes i don't care and then she ends up with these with with these you know with this bad bunch of 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 criminals of very low life criminals i mean it would it would still be an okay film but it would but without the that's how you see that a director need like a director's a director's vision when it's clear when it's when it's concise when it's when it when it goes all the way to what it wants to be then it can be really 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 it can make or break a film and to me the directing there is 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 is, is yeah is is perfect yeah even if the film is full of coincidences and things that don't really work and it's you know they're robbing a bank at what five in the morning is like and and you realize when you watch a film once or twice you realize that they're really shooting in like probably a circle yeah i get all that but they still pull the a shooting a shootout with the cops they kidnap a baby they end up in a hotel they rob a bank they go dance i mean it's crazy what they do and and i loved how i was really jealous of not thinking about of, of not thinking about that film i was really jealous i was like I, 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 one day quote me, don't quote me here, but one day I want to make, I, w- I really want to make like a, a bank heist movie and not that I want to rob a bank, but I remember how I felt when I saw heat and that shootout. And I've never shot a gun. I don't like guns and not, not like that, but I think Michael Mann made the best guns, the sounds in the street with Val Kilmer and, you know, you know, the scene. Oh yeah. And, and I was amazed with the scene and, with the film and since then I was 15 when I saw that or something I was I was I want to make a, a bank heist movie and even the there's a lot of bank heist movies like way too many like I remember watching the Ben Affleck film uh The Town and I thought it was it was pretty good it was it was really good and I I know it was like more sugary and more kind of you know cutesy with the brothers and not I was like it's cool like Ben Affleck is really sharp director but but I never seen something as raw as that as as Victoria and I thought why did not I why why I didn't think about it and yeah I was jealous envious and 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 I was admiring the guts of of making this film and I've read a lot about how they made the movie I've seen uh, interviews and I and I was like wow so many details that you don't think of, like there was one detail that the director Sebastian Shipper said in an interview that I I was like huh this is this is this is interesting he said he said because all the dialogue is all improvised and he said one thing he said do not repeat one word i don't know he says i don't want to hear one word repeated in the film so he said that to 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 his actors he said you can talk about anything but don't repeat the words and i was like huh this is 
And he was even calling if he heard words like repeated because actors, when they, when they're not, they, if they don't have a script, like it's normal, any human being will start kind of repeating and talking in circles. And, of course. Yeah. And to, to, to know, like to be aware of that and to, to make it kind of a foundation of the, of, of the vision of the directing to me, that was, a, it was, a, I mean, it was, it was a good call and it was, it made it, I think it helped make this film more credible and more and less sticky and less kind of let's shoot a movie on a Sunday night with a couple friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the prohibition on repetition is as odd as it sounds. I think you can see it in people's eyes and it makes it more dramatically interesting because people are constantly thinking in yeah. the moment, even as they're improvising, it's like, wait, I can't say it. Like, I have to go in this direction. And it gives you a level of tension that might not be present otherwise in a film that is, it's not slow. Stuff is constantly happening, but it's measured, right? Because the lack of cutting gives you this sort of hypnotic state as a viewer where you just know that you can keep watching and keep yeah. watching the frame that you're never going to run out of time. And that's the thing that I find so fascinating about the film as an experiment is that it really is about watching people think, uh, yeah. specifically Costa as Victoria, but but everybody else has moments too where they're trying, you, you see them sort of stop and try to calculate how to make something happen. Yeah. Everybody is trying to get the thing they want. Victoria, as you say, she just wants to be part of something. She wants to be friends. She wants to have friends. Maybe she wants a relationship or there, yeah. there's something with Son like, that she clearly is interested in him. But the the momentum of the film is such that everyone is constantly being interrupted by someone else's urgency. Yeah. And, and Victoria, who doesn't have anywhere to go or anything to do or anywhere to be, just gets pulled into every single situation. And then that point where she says, okay, I'll be your driver is yeah. such a great moment for her because it's the first time she's actually demonstrated Mm -hmm. uh, a, a choice like she's made that's a choice she flips in the film that she becomes kind of the driving force because before she was being pulled she was she was going with the flow she was going here and there she was following these guys that were interesting and then at that point when she becomes a driver and she and the car doesn't start and she has to be in action because there's going to be consequences that's when she, her character makes decisions mm -hmm. mostly bad some good until you know at the end when she walks away i mean it was like wow what a character what a character arc and personally i mean i don't know if you've traveled in your life but i'm 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 44 years old and i did some traveling i'm very i'm a very nice very uh kind of uh i'm not i'm i'm i've never done anything illegal uh but i've traveled and i've had these nights when you know i met like i remember it was it was we we were in in um in in madrid and it was like 20, 21 years old. And I remember meeting a guy during the afternoon at a cafe. And it was like, cool. We had some, some fun. And at night, he's like, hey, come to have dinner with us. And we had dinner. And then after that, it's like, oh, we're going to this bar. And then we go to the bar. And then at some point around midnight, it's like, there's some guys that came. Hey, let's get in, let's get in the car. And we go in the car. And then we drove for like an hour and a half. And I was like, oh, my God. I remember the feet. Nothing happened. But I came back the next day, like at at noon, it was fine. I was 21 years old and I didn't have a cell phone, nothing. There's nowhere to report. But but I remember how I felt queasy in the car after like 45 minutes realizing I don't know these people. I don't know who these... I mean, mm -hmm. we started three people. Now we're 12 in the van in somewhere in Spain. And I don't see lights outside. I Like, like this could go bad. And, and I love how you know, someone is outside of their zone, out of their their comfort zone, out of their territory, and they they don't control the elements and things can go south. And in this film, they go really south. And I I was I like I like the the unpredictability of the decision making, of the way the characters were reacting, and of the unit that they form, even though they barely know each other. I mean, yeah, I I, I really like I really like this 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 very dangerous, risky, that everything could fall, fall apart at any moment feeling. And I've let, I've lived, I've lived this experience, but I know, I know anyone who's traveled has lived some, some, some experience similar to that when they, they lost control of their, of their night, of the day of, of, of what, what was going on. And they, I don't know, I, I really, it, it brought me back to when I was very much younger. And I don't know, I, I thought it really achieved that, that, 
that 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 sense of 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 vertigo of of not of completely losing the control of the situation and that anything you know bad can go can 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 happen i really like that yeah well and the film allows for it too because it starts and stops in such well no that doesn't start and stop it never stops that's the whole point but it moves through these different states of agitation and calm and panic yeah. But it's always doing it in a way that feels environmentally similar. I mean, you you can sit, I mean, you sit for two and a quarter hours and you go through all of these things. You don't move. The camera never stops. As you say, It's a, it, they are moving in a circle. And I think it's yeah. really deliberate to to take liberties and make sure that they can shoot everything in a certain yeah, exactly. radius. And, you know, you, they're, they're, all the decisions, the self-imposed decisions on this are absolutely fascinating that they chose to, to work between, I think, the hours of 3 o'clock and 5.30 a.m. because they wanted to hit dawn at a certain point. Yeah. And they knew they only had this one week of window where they could have everyone and shoot the whole thing. They only shot three versions, which yeah. is just incomprehensible to me. Um, Shipper has talked about the first version being too calm and the second version, because he told the actors that the first version was too calm, the second time they all overdid it. And then for the third one, they got it right. They found the tone that worked. But the tone has to accommodate all of these other incidents, right? The the and and you said that um, you know the ask of the audience that we have to accept that there's going to be a club and a cafe and a, and a bank heist and a hotel and a shootout and all these things. It's not it's not a huge ask of the audience because I think we accept that the reason we're watching the movie is because something spectacular is going to happen, something different yeah. is going to happen to this girl on this night. Yeah. But the actors aren't allowed to let us know it's going to be okay, which I find fascinating. There's no tone in the film because of the decision to shoot it in real time and, and uninflected without a score. The movie can't steer us. We have to follow it. And I think that's just, that's the way you get away with everything that the chipper pulls off. Even as you know, on some level, what the format is, what the structure is like, it's, it's hiding things from you, but it's also making it really, really obvious when, when she yeah. meets the guys, we read them as thugs, but yeah. she sees them as clubbers because they yeah. do look like that. I mean, it's great. Everybody has, every single character has two potential faces, including Victoria, because yeah. the whole movie is about what she's going to do next and which face she decides to show. It's just that for the first I don't know, 40 minutes, we don't even know she has that second face because she's so recessed and so, and Leia Costa is, is so still and, and watchful and needy. Um, and then once she galvanizes everyone else into action, yeah, it becomes a completely different film, even though, you know, all it did was shift a gear. I love the, the, the well, the actress obviously hit a note because she's been in a lot of like American films after yeah. that. She's been, and the, I don't remember the name of the 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 the, the lead guys, uh, but he's. I saw a film that, that recently with him. Was it uh, Franz Rogowski who plays boxer? Because he's in yeah. Passages just now. Yeah, exactly, exa exactly. Yeah, he was. I saw him in Passages, and this guy is amazing. And but at the time, I I I, I was not aware of this actor. Mm -hmm. But I thought that the fact that they went with very beautiful people, but very. I don't. I I felt like I knew these people. Like I I felt like they like I felt they felt normal. They didn't feel like movie stars in a, in in a gritty film. They felt like real people, even though they're they're beautiful people and they're very talented. They they're they, they felt real. They felt like people that I I could that they felt like people that I would know. They felt I, I thought the casting was very 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 smart, and in making it so real that you would that you would accept to follow them all the way through 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 hell and all the way to, to the end and not having music or sound or or um or editing to really to really construct the tension because that's what you do with editing and and i, I don't i know i i was very uh i mean i have to i have to admit that i i contacted sebastian shipper after i saw the film oh yeah and yeah and i wanted to buy the right i wanted to buy the remake rights and i wanted to make a i wanted to remake like kind of a because his film to me was very it's a it's very it's to me it was a love letter to berlin and i wanted to make a love letter like like a like a like a punkish love letter to montreal and to and i i didn't want to i didn't want the same story but i wanted to have like a like a like the marvel films do like a universe oh yeah you know and i, I yeah it was yeah, I, I, I think I we, could yeah, see that. We 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 exchanged the e emails and stuff, but at some point, um, money had to be exchanged <laughs> or something, and and I lost interest. But uh, 
I was, and also he wanted, I think he wanted, and I, it's, and I fully respect that because I really have a lot of respect for, for him, but I think he wanted, he didn't, I think he wanted this film to, to be alone. I think he wanted to keep kind of a, and not have sisters or brothers of this film. He wanted right. to be the guy who did, who did that, who did yeah. the sequence shot, you know, uh, you know, night from hell in Berlin. And I think he, in some emails, he, he was kind of, I don't know, this is, this is, this is, I, I, he was uncomfortable with the idea, but he toyed with it, but he was uncomfortable with the idea of, 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 uh, of sharing, sharing such gutsy filmmaking. And I have also one of the things is when I, when I watch or listen to your podcast, I, I, I saw like people pick like iconic films and I'm when they asked me if I wanted to make this podcast, I was like, of course. And my first film was not that film. Like the the the, the, the first film that I I wanted to 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 pitch you was not was not Victoria and and um, it was it was it was a, a Polish film called Cold War by Pavel Palikowski. Yes, and I I love deeply this film and this film I've seen. I mean, for Rue, I have watched the film on mute and then I have watched I've watched the film without the image just the sound just I mean I I'm a, I really love this film I love the framing I love the 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 tragic uh, love story like Polish love story the very I, I, the, I to me it's one of the most beautiful films that I've, I've ever seen but it's 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 a it's a film that like I mean of course it's an amazing film. It's, it was nominated for the Oscar. I, I don't know. I know it was an amazing film. So, and I, I was like, okay, this is more predictable. So let's see how I can kind of surprise you and surprise me. Of And I, and then there was another film that I wanted to, this leads me to, I, when if it's probably because of my roots, but I really love films that are made with very little money. I really, and when they're good, I'm really impressed and sure. I, I really love films because my first film was made with, it was called snow and ashes and was made with nothing. And, and I'm really proud of it and this full of defects, but I love all of it. And it was, it's a film that, that was a big calling card for me, blah, blah. But I, but I really admire films that are made with little money. And the other film that I wanted to pitch you was the, uh, it's called blue ruin by Jeremy Saunier. Sure. Oh man. This, this is it's I love this 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 film because not only is it made with like two hundred fifty thousand dollars and it's a it's a it's a revenge a revenge story it's very I get like I I admire how dark deep and how I guess how slick it is for mm. for for such little money because I believe that if for with the right ingredients. Like I, I always say to to young film younger filmmakers that that every director every filmmaker has one uh, free film in them if they can they can use the right favors from from mommy daddy and people and you don't have to be rich I'm not I'm not from a rich family but my right. first film was made asking for my asking my mother to cook my aunts to cook my dad I I, I borrowed his car. We, my cousin, we, we shot, like we, 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 we recreated the Chechen war in some wood zone in, in, in the woods near my cousin's house. I mean, it's, it's a film made with favors from people that I knew. And I always say to people that, you know, it, because people, you know, when you make movies, when you're director, a lot of the questions from younger people is like, how do you make it? How do you, you know, and I'm one of the, 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 when I, when I was younger, someone told me, he says, not, not because it's you, not because you're not talented, blah, 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 but you're not going to be the guy who's going to direct Star Wars episode, whatever, as your first film. You're not going to, you're not, nobody's going to give you a hundred million dollars to make your sci-fi epic. Someone said, go home, find the resources that you have and make a short film, make a documentary, make something, but something that you that that you know you can do and right. write from how you can do it and that's why i kind of i went from Ruin to victoria because as i told you there was a film that hit me really hard and i thought it was such a crafty film and i, I have no idea what the budget of the film is but i i presume that it's 
quite low because they did it three times and it's, you know, it's kind of, you see it on the screen, but I really admire because when, you know, films that are made with little money and not necessarily first films, but films that are made with little money, to me, that's when you see the most, you know, when they achieve, that's when you see the most creative yeah. freedom because there's no producers, there's no, uh, there's no one breathing in the necks of the, of, of the cinematographer or the director. There's, there's really just, hey, let's make a movie. Let's be naive. Let's be stupid. And let's make a movie. And hopefully it works. And most most likely it won't work. But maybe if it works, it's great. And to me, that was, that was when I did my first film, Snow and Ashes, I was very naive. I had no idea what I was doing. I hadn't, I, I didn't even know that you had to do a countdown when you do when you say action. So I just <laughs> well, on the first take, I was like, so we were shooting on Super 16. I was really nervous because you I heard the, the camera rolling. And I said, oh, action. And the actor was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You have to do like three, two, one. I was like, oh, I have, okay. Three, two, one, action. And I love the naivete. I love the, the ignorance, but the ignorance that is fueled by just making a movie and not having the ambition of, oh yeah, I want to premiere at Sundance. I want to go to Berlin. I want to, no, I want to make a movie. It's just to make a movie, to, to make a movie. And I want, I don't, to me, that was the, 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 the gesture has to be pure. And when I heard about Sebastian Schipper, how he was saying that, Oh, maybe we're going to do a, a, a jump cutting film. I'm sure that he would have scrapped it. I'm sure. I'm, I don't, I mean, I I'm talking, I, I'm, I don't know him or anything like that as much that, that I would know that, but I'm sure that if it had not worked in a sequence shot, I don't think we would have seen the light. We would have seen this film ever. I think you wanted to be like, sorry for the word, the balls to the wall, crazy, let's go for it. And I really admire that. I really, really, really admire that. Yeah. Hey, it's Norm interrupting my own show to bring you up to speed on Shiny Things, my newsletter about physical media, culture, and the odd streaming project. Last week, I wrote about Shout Studios' new editions of Tom Holland's Thinner and David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone, and I went deep on Vinegar Syndrome's surprise 4K release of another Cronenberg film, Existence. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at shiny-things.ghost.io or find a link at the Simcast Blue Sky account. You like reading about movies? I like writing about them. Come check it out. He said he did cut a version with cuts to show his investors and it didn't work he, or he didn't like it. It didn't, it didn't play for him. Um, and it was simply to prove that there would be a releasable movie, but I think it was a bluff that he knew that it wouldn't work, but he, yeah. he did cut a version of the film with, I think just a handful of cuts, yeah. but to show that it could be, uh, to demonstrate a conventional version could exist. Uh, and to answer your question, the budget was apparently 443,300 euros exactly that's nothing 400 400 000 euros nothing it's like i mean yes it is a lot of money but it's nothing to make a movie when you know romantic comedies on netflix have 25 million dollar budgets it's, it's 400 grand is nothing so yeah yeah and it's um i'm sure that most of that is prep right like you have to you have to rehearse well you like you're not rehearsing because they're improvising but you have to plan out this the shoot and and physically prep and and do all of that that would take weeks to get it to make it look effortless right that's the that's the thing about what you're saying when you're working with restrictions you have to make sure everything goes properly and it isn't yeah. in itself like a military campaign or and this is the metaphor that i, I was hitting on it's a bank heist i mean you could you could argue that movies are heists. I mean, I know Christopher Nolan does it for a living, but the idea that the structure of the thing and and the the amount of prep and collaboration and the trust that you have to place in people that you don't always really know, I think that's why every filmmaker wants to make a heist picture because that's sort of the mentality to get the movie made in the first place, and then you're just naturally curious about how you would handle the material without the metaphor. I love that you say that. That's the first time I heard about that. That 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 you that you that someone frames it like turns it, like why filmmakers make heist movies? Yeah, it, yeah. I, I always say that making making movies. I, I don't think we should make movies. I think it's very. I think like studios with hundreds of millions of dollars should make movies because, be like really ra like being rational because making a movie is so. There's so many different, so many levels of details of that that could go wrong that mm -hmm. could not go as planned that could be 
that could make the film derail, that could that could break everything. And and you know, you you we spend millions of dollars in the in a span of 30 days, 34 days, five 25 days. And we hope that we make the, the, the right movie. And we we hope that we hope it snows, we hope it's it's sunny, we hope it's uh we hope the actor is gonna be good, we hope the director, the the, the director of photography is gonna be good. We hope there's so many, I mean the hundreds of people. Kim Tui from the film from uh, Rue, the writer, she was she compared me to because she had no idea she had never been on a film set, and she compared me to the CEO of a company. She was like, Oh, Charles is like the CEO of a company because you're she says you're managing you're managing all these people, these egos, these visions, these, and she said, you have a vision, but I don't know how to hold a camera. I don't know how to put makeup. I don't know how to cry on cue. I, I don't know all these things, but I know that's what I want. And she was like, yeah, you're like the CEO, her, her partner in life. She, he's a CEO of a, of a big company. And, and she was, he was like, she was like, yeah, you do the same thing, but you're like, the, the company is not, is not like a fancy technology company. It's like a gypsy Kind of a nomad, the uh, circus walking, you know, going around from location to location with like fifty trucks, and uh, yeah, and it's it's so unpredictable to make a film, and it's you rely. That's how you have to, like, one of the things that just to 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 be back to Sebastian Shipper that I love is that making a movie is 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 a, is a teamwork, and it's not like oh, I'm the director, I'm the filmmaker, I make them. No, no, no. It's yes, you're the director, but it's. It's it's teamwork, and it's without the team, the film would not be working. And I lo I love how in Victoria he placed his cinematographer in the first credit at the end. I love that. I'm like, it's not the actors, it's not him, it's not, it's a cinematographer because the cinematographer he was walking around with a big camera, and it's it's you know these cameras are very bad for your back because it's very heavy on one side or the other, very heavy. You're you could look like he had to walk around to to he had to tell the story live and to listen to the direct, to the directors like oh turn left turn left go see that go i mean i love how he placed his director of photography in first credit i'm like wow and recently i saw maestro and uh with bradley cooper and mm -hmm. i love how he placed the the makeup artist the japanese makeup artist i think he placed it like I, he placed it before himself and it's just after like the actors and I was like, wow, because I don't know if you've seen Maestro. Yep. And to me, the 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 makeup, I mean, yes, the cinematography, it's amazingly beautiful, beautiful, but is the first time that, that that to me the makeup of changing someone's appearance worked. To me, it's in I've never like changing someone as much mm -hmm. completely. I thought that Bradley Cooper completely melted, he was hidden and he was he was gone. And I did not see the make. I was really afraid. I know there's some buzz in the in the in the in the trays of people that he had the big nose that he was he was under. And I I thought it was flawless. And especially when when he's older, and the film opens on on him kind of smoking a cigarette, and, I, and he's he's close like this to the camera. I was like, oh my god, how do you not how do you not see that? You know. And it's yeah, it's it was so I thought it's I like when filmmakers honor. Their teamwork, their teammates, by placing the credits, or really, it's it's not just saying thank you at an award show. To me, it's 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 going to live forever because you know it's right there. And I thought that Sebastian Shipper was really classy to to place his cinematographer right up front there. Yeah, I mean, it's also an acknowledgement. I think it's it's the cinema's collaborative, of course, but yeah, it's an acknowledgement that this is the man who made the movie, like literally yeah. actually made the movie. Yeah, he's the, he's the guy who built it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't think of it, but he built it. <laughs> yeah. And the way you meant, and you'd mentioned that, um, uh, that Shipper was yelling directions in his ear. The thing that I was most shocked to read about, it's in a New York Times piece that came out shortly after the film's release, is that Chipper was shouting at everybody. He's Yeah, he was shouting at everybody. <laughs> he's he's directing the actors by yelling from the other side of the room because he has to make sure he's not in the shot or that he's not anywhere where he yeah. might be in the shot. So he had to pitch his voice. And so the idea that there is this other soundtrack of God yelling at the characters, yeah. I, I, want, I wanted that as a 
bonus track on the Blu-ray or something. I really would love to hear the raw audio of that film just because yeah. there's nothing else like it. I mean, I, I know that, you know, Francis Ford Coppola would do that on, on set too. He would yell at yeah, that, that clip in Apocalypse Now of his cameo screaming, you know, act like you're fighting. That's actually how he directs. He really does yeah. yell at people, but in something as small and intimate as Victoria, I just, I would, it, it seems like such an impossible situation for the yeah. actors to negotiate um, even though they know that, you know, in the end, it'll just be them uh, that the audience sees. But, but you know, how do you not react? How do you not respond? It's just an incredible work from them. I personally, I, do, I, I don't yell, but I speak to the actors in the scenes. But mm -hmm. I, I kind of caliber how I do it from one actor to the other, because there are some actors who will go, what? They're like, they'll react to it. And even, even if, if you tell them like, don't react, I'll speak to you. It's just, it's just part of them. And it's fine. It's not that they're bad or good or something, but the, the young actress, uh, you know, there, Chloe, Chloe Janji, she was, she was listening to me and I could talk to her. I could direct her live. I was, I was right by the camera and I was, I was talking to her. I was like, look at me now look down now look right. There's this coming. Like I was talking very quietly but I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a tool or a technique that I really enjoy. When actors are receptive, some are not. Some, some are just don't talk to me because I'm going to punch you in the face. But a lot, sometimes, sometimes less experienced actors who are good listeners, they'll, they'll appreciate that because it's especially in in the films like, like for example, in the Rue, we did very long takes. Like the scenes, it's, it's one shot per scene, mo most. Mostly, there's no editing. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no coverage, as mm. uh, as as they call it. And um, so it could. It was. It would dynamize the scene. It would. It would make also them understand. Like I knew that it would. We were going to be doing like 20, 25, maybe sometimes thirty takes. It would give. It would be less intellectualizing. Like less of me intellectualizing the scene before we shot it of them in the scene oh that's what you mean okay okay then we do it we redo it again and i understand how so it was me less oh so in the scene you're gonna be like this 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 gonna happen it's gonna be like i'm gonna i, I was kind of explaining the scene as 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 the scene was was kind of living and breathing and taking place in in front of ours did you do that for every take or just for the first few and then let it happen uh sometimes i would do it every take because there was always details that i would that, that i would want little things and also because i would like like chloe she was like her performance or acting was reacted where was reacting to to me talking so it would it would make it more precise and she would she would do it she was she would really just listen and sometimes i was like like really quickly now i'll do this or sometimes like wait wait hold i'm gonna count to three in three two one now look left and then you know so it was it was it was very like almost kind of live performance between me and her. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. When we started talking, I, I said, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of, of Victoria in your films. And I think yeah. it's because, you know, the, but the long takes of Rue are different. So, so completely different in their purpose. They're, they're there to be, they're there to make us more, more attentive. I think the, yeah. to, to share the experience with the characters rather than be pulled along by the momentum of the film. I mean, Rue is a much more, I guess, contemplative, empathetic study yeah. of people in an uncertain situation. And like, even just your, your choice to, to frame it the way you framed it so that there's this whole world around everyone all the time yeah. um, was something that was really striking, especially on a big screen. And, um, and Victoria is just more about faces and environment. The, yeah. the, uh, my film, Anna, that I did, uh, directed in 2015, we did, uh, uh, it's a thriller with an, act an actress named Anna Mglalis. And it was, uh, it, was it was a set in a world of human trafficking. And we had one scene in the film. It's, it's one scene. I think I had one kind of rule in the film when someone, when, when something bad is happening in this, later in the scene, I wanted the film to not cut. So I wanted I wanted one take scene, and mm -hmm. there was one scene in the film when the, the main actress gets kidnapped at the end. She gets abducted, and we did the we did it's a nine minute uh, sequence shot, and we started the that we started it in a in a movie theater. It was we were in Bangkok, and we started it in a movie theater. We were then we we come we came out of the doors, walked down the stairs, 
then it was erupting into a we were coming out into like a weird like a noodle shop and inside the noodle shop we were coming out on the street which was one of the busiest streets of of bangkok with a lot of of uh, of noodle shops and and street food and then we would go into like a back alley and at the end of the alley that's when she was she was gonna she, that's when she was be, she was abducted and was the end of the scene and that was that was a direct kind of homage to uh to Victoria, like we had watched the film, and I, I had shot, I had shown it to, to to my cinematographer, and I was like, "This, I want this scene to be, to be a one take, and I want it to go from very quiet to very bad at the end." And yeah, and we, yeah, it was a very fun thing to do. Yeah, I remember that scene, and I remember thinking it's too quiet, like just that that tension that starts at the beginning because everything is unnaturally calm that and the yeah. camera won't stop that that something is coming and we're hurtling towards it victoria does that for two hours and 14 minutes and yeah then, exactly yeah <laughs> but compressing it into nine minutes is almost worse for the audience because we don't know how long it's going to be we don't have the yeah. contract with the, with the film that this is just going to keep going yeah. it's it's uh it's a great way for a thriller to play rather than a drama because you are just pushed further and further into it with yeah. no escape until you, the director, choose to cut away. Yeah. Yeah, when it's planned right, it's uh, it's it, like not like editing without editing is a very powerful tool when you do it on purpose because you use editing to to release attention, to 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 create tension. But you you because we're used to have, especially since the TV and the and kind of the bombardment of content that there is on all platforms. Now we see like you were very as 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 audiences. I think we're not used to have, you know, non you know non edited or just like non conventional kind of storytelling. And when when it comes, I think people really notice it because they're not used to it anymore. But uh, yeah, it's it's when you plan it like when you plan it, and it's it's uh, it's it's uh, you know not editing is a very part. I don't know if you saw the film RMN by Christian Manju. I did, yeah. The scene in in the in the the town the hall. The town hall, yeah, in the church. I had, I had not read about like I I'd read about the film. I I love Christian Manju, and I, I I in the town hall after like four or five minutes, I was like, oh. I think I don't think he's gonna cut for a while, and I think it go. I, I don't know. I think it goes for like twenty minutes, and it's longer than that. It's I think it's it? twenty six. It's just <laughs> endless, and it's it's great because you do you feel the tension and the arguing coming in waves, and it builds and it peaks and it keeps peaking. It's magical. Yeah, and there is that moment where I think it's the fourth person who stands to ask a question, where you're just like, oh, it's just gonna keep going. Yeah, yeah, and I thought I I was I was with a friend of mine, and he's a. He's a he's a he's a sound he's a sound engineer on set, and he was my sound engineer. And and I told him, I said, I said, you you. It was after five five minutes. I said, I said, you realize he's not going to cut. He's like, yeah, I know. He says, I'm freaking out. How did they sound this thing? He's like, there's people in the back, there's people in the front. He's like, how did they like? How did they do that? <laughs> yeah, it's very gutsy, and it's when it, like like for example, not going like not knowing that it happens. It's 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 it creates a tension with the audience because you're even if you you're not a filmmaker and you know oh he's not going to cut or blah, blah blah it's it's just it builds because then you're like wait when when he's going to cut when he's going to release me when he's and I think there's something really powerful in in the gesture of not cutting of that's when like a film like Victoria maybe today or 2024 I don't know like people would know that it's a non-cutting like I I love the fact that when I watched it. I had no idea that it was that film. After 10 minutes, I was like, oh, I think, I don't think they're gonna cut. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't think. And I I, lo I love I love this convention. And and if you don't know, then it becomes it becomes even more thrilling and more anxiety inducing to me, to me at least. I love the uh there was a um did, did you see Asbestas? Uh Franco, uh Franco Spanish film thriller. No, I don't think it's I have. It's a movie. Okay. You have to see that. It's my top film of 2023 and it's uh oh, wow. it's it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of rural thriller, territorial thriller of, you know, a French family moving into to to be farmers in a very remote place in Spain and it's it talks a lot about, you know, you know, very very big bold themes that are very present, you know, 
people, you know, immigration, uh, do we have the right to, is our voice as a new, as a new resident is, is as powerful as the ones that of people that live there forever. Anyway. And they use the same as we talking about, like the, the non-cutting mm-hmm. of scenes that are like the most intense scenes of the film. And they're very subdued, very quiet. The camera doesn't move. And it's, 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 it's just like three characters talking to each other. Like, Oh my God. And after like two, three minutes, you're like, Oh, he's not going to cut for, for a while. And it, it just, it's tension that builds and builds and builds and it becomes really uncomfortable and really powerful. And when actors, they know that and they use that to them to, to the advantage. I think that's when you can have, because there's no way of fixing their, or fixing or changing or altering their performance. To me, it's raw, pure cinema. And I, I love, I love that. And I think in, in Victoria, one of the reasons why Laia Costa was, has become kind of a Hollywood actress now is, is because their, her performance is there. There's no, there's, there's nothing to help her. It's just her there. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the perfect relationship, too, between actor and character, because the character is on her own, ultimately, and has to make all of her own decisions. And you're watching someone do that in real time through the filter of this of this thriller uh, storyline. But you are when you understand how it was made, you just look back and go, oh, my God, she's holding the screen. She's with the exception of, I think, the three minutes towards the end where she had to run out and use a bathroom and find a way to do it. And and I only found out about that because. Skipper was talking about it in the interview. It's like, I had no idea. I was so in the film at that point towards the end. It's like, I don't think I noticed she was missing. Um, it's when she, it's in the hotel room. She tried, yeah. she, she's supposed to go get help just for the audience that might not have seen it. Um, but it's, it's even better to realize that she broke, that she stopped. She found a way out of the movie and back in yeah. so late in the game that she must have been in such discomfort Imagine, imagine the people, the, the the director, the cinematographer would be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Where where are you going? Like, this is it. This is the film. Like, do not leave." And I, I, I love the, yeah, I love the unpredictability of that. Of, and I'm sure on set it would have been like, "Whoa, whoa! What's going on?" And I, yeah, to me that, yeah, this it's a good. Uh, it's it. That's where you see that this actress is is really connected with the story and the character and what she's saying because she could pull out and come in and still have the same intensity as if no one had seen that. Yeah, that's and that's that's crazy. Yeah, and of course for the previous fifteen or twenty minutes, she's got it in her head that she has to do this, but it'll kill the film if she breaks. So she can't, right? Like she has to. That's another, I mean, God, that's, that's another movie. That's an entirely different movie from the perspective of someone trying to finish a film in a single take. Um, All right. Well, you could, I mean, I don't think you have to license that idea. You could just, you could do that one on your own. Yeah. Yeah. The the single take. Yeah. No, I just, I just, to me, the the idea was to have, to really pay homage to kind of, to have a sister film. I, I, I you can make a, you can make a single take. I mean, there's a lot of single takes films, single take films. Like, I mean, Birdman was kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, rope you were saying, uh, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's, what are the other single take films? There's, there's King Dave in Montreal a few years ago. Oh, it was yeah. very, very strange because it was kind of a, it's a period piece that would go back in and out of, it would, it would like jump in, decades anyway it was it was different idea but it was still the way that they did it was a single take with moving with moving uh, sets on buses and stuff mm-hmm. like that but it was yeah no the idea of a single take is is just i wanted to do it properly in a in a way and have kind of a partnership with with them and to to hey you did this in berlin let's i'll do that in montreal and we'll be we'll be cousins yeah and uh but yeah may, maybe i'll do it on my own i don't know yeah i love i really love films that that like to me, as a, as a, as a, you know, what I do as a filmmaker is different than what I love. I mean, obviously, but it's you know some films that I that I really love, like Uncut Gems. To me, was was is a master is 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 a master class in in anxiety and in, in tension building. Mm-hmm. I, I profoundly love this film, and I I don't think I've ever felt so uncomfortable in a film before. And I, I and my wife, I watched it during Christmas. He was like, oh, no, not again, not this. She's like, I'm not going to sleep again. Because Adam Sandler, I mean, he, he makes such bad decisions. And he just makes them worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's always about the chase. And it's not about the money. It's just about the chase. Uh, yeah. And I love these films that that 
you know, good time again with the, from the Sadie brothers. Sure. They're, it's, they're in, in, in anxious nightmare films that are so real and raw that you're like, ah, oh, it could happen to us if we took bad decisions. Like it reminds me of the worst days of, you know, even if you know, I'm not a gambler or a, I'm not a, you know, a criminal or anything like that. Like we all have bad days and I think these really embody what it, you know, bad days for really, for really quirky characters. And I, I really love these types of films that I am really drawn to these types of films. And I, and I love how characters, I love how to see, I love to watch characters make decisions on the fly that are good or bad. I like how Adam Sandler just how tries to negotiate with his, with his step, with his, his, uh, his, I think is is uh is step brother or something like the brother of his, of his wife, uh, anyway, yeah. the gangs. I love how complicated he makes it. Like we make life way more complicated than it should be, and I, I love that in movies. It doesn't reflect in my movies, but it's that's you know. My thanks to Charles Olivier Michaud, whose thoughtful, empathetic adaptation of Rue opens in theaters across Canada this Friday, January twenty sixth. Thanks also to Marguerite Barbara. She knows what she did. As he said, Charles isn't currently active on social media, but you can keep track of Rue on Instagram by following its distributor, Imina Films. I-M-M-I-N-A-F-I-L-M-S. And as for Victoria, well, the Blu-ray went out of print almost immediately, but you can find it streaming on Canopy, DirecTV, and Paramount Plus in the U.S., and available to rent and buy on various VOD services across North America. You can find me on Blue Sky at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast there at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. The first year of the show is still available for just 20 bucks at payhep.com slash semcast. That's the first 52 episodes of Someone Else's Movie, 44 of which aren't currently available anywhere else. And check out my newsletter, Shiny Things, at shiny-things.ghost.io. I think you'll enjoy it. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been listening. Every little bit helps, it truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe. Watch movies, wear a mask if you go out, get your booster when you can. I'll see you next week.